Hey, everybody. Time the Charlie Kirk Show. What did Speaker Johnson and I talk about for 30 minutes on the phone? We'll listen to this episode and find out. Uh, also, we have a conversation about the border, as well as many other questions you have emailed us, as well as how public opinion has moved dramatically on core issues in the last couple of years. Subscribe to our podcast and get your friends to do the same. Become a member of this program. It's members.charliekirk.com. That is members.charliekirk.com. Get involved at Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. Start a high school or college chapter today at tpusa.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Noble Gold Investments is the official gold sponsor of The Charlie Kirk Show a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Okay, let's go to this question here. Charlie, it feels like we are outnumbered, but making progress on major issues. What do you attribute that to? It feels as if the issues that your program and your podcast focuses on ends up moving public opinion. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Love the show. Look, I'm not taking credit for it, but there's some truth to this. I can isolate three issues in particular that we have focused on, made persuasive arguments. And by we, I don't just mean the Charlie Kirk show. I I don't by any means think we're that powerful. Okay. I think we make a impact, a difference. But it's the community of people. It's Matt Walsh. It's Candace Owens. It's Ben Shapiro. It's Steve Bannon. It's all of us. Then we kind of get into the there's a harmonization effect, and it's all it's totally organic. There's no group chat. There's no coordination. There's none of that. It's just we kind of look and see what other people are talking about, and then we talk about what they're talking about, and we kind of create this effect. But one of the issues I want to talk about here has been one of the great messaging victories of my career. We were completely outgunned, and I could list just a few shows and programs that had the moral clarity from the beginning, and that's on Ukraine. I have not seen an issue that has moved so significantly, so quickly, so against the powerful as the Ukraine issue. We are coming up on the two-year anniversary, right? Two, Two years, right, Blake, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. From the very beginning, we've been morally clear. Russia should never have invaded Ukraine. It's not right for a strong, powerful country to invade a weaker country. We were very morally clear from that, and we were so attacked. Oh, my goodness. It was the same playbook as BLM. It was the same playbook as George Floyd, the same playbook as COVID. They throw a name at you, and they try to isolate you on the fringe because you dare ask certain questions. Blake hates that phrase. You dare pursue certain stories they don't like. Or how about this? You make arguments that are not in the mainstream. And I've never been overly ideological about the Ukraine-Russia issue. It's I'm not overly interested. Russia is not a blueprint of how a country should be run. They're not a free society. Russia does not have Western values. 
that Russia is, by, is not even close to the worst country in the world. It's not. They're incredibly corrupt. They're very self-interested. They think of themselves as way more powerful than they actually are. They have regional ambitions. You must understand Russia before you even begin to comment on it. And as soon as Russia invaded Ukraine, and we were supposed to like feel bad for Ukraine as if they were completely innocent, and that's just not true either. Russia is an equally typed corrupt country. Part of Ukraine actually wants to be part of Russia. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. And I would say, actually, I'm curious. Can you guys find the actual numbers? I, would, I think that maybe 10 to 15% of the country was with us on the Ukraine issue. And to be honest, our audience wasn't necessarily with us. I went back into the emails a couple of years ago. It was about 60-40 against us. And almost never do we pick an issue on a daily basis where you, the audience, are against us. And it was like, Charlie, you're completely wrong. We must send arms to Ukraine. This is the most important thing ever. Ukraine is a mini America. And we don't follow the crowd. And we just looked at it analytically. And we asked the correct inquiries. Why is this? How is this in America's best interest? How does this not escalate into a further conflict? Is this going to weaken or strengthen the American dollar? What does success look like? And we led and we led and we led. And the great credit, the true leader of this is Tucker Carlson. He deserves the most credit and Steve Bannon as well. And I'd put us in the top three or four of very vocal social media accounts, very vocal shows where it was a no it was not, there was not a mystery around the Ukraine issue. We covered biolabs. We covered Azov Battalion. We co- covered the corruption of Zelenki, color revolution, Lindsey Graham saying that we're going to play offense. And we were in the 10 to 15% of the country that said no aid to Ukraine, period, end of story. We were in 10 to 15%. There was maybe one or two lawmakers, no, I'd say three in the Senate, that shared that opinion. It would be Rand Paul, Mike Lee, and maybe Josh Hawley. I think Josh was there from the beginning. Besides that, it was 96, 95, nothing. And then we kept on bringing up these points. Why did Zelensky cancel elections? Why did he close churches? Why is this guy that's being lifted up as the bastion of democracy all of a sudden putting his political opponents in prison? And we went on and on and on. And the regime went so into this topic that it just nothing can be that impenetrable. Nothing can be that sterling. No effort can be that important. I mean, it's just, it's not possible. And so all of a sudden, more and more information started to come out. And people started to say, wait a second, our border's wide open. <laughs> so we're getting invaded. And why do we care about the invasion over there? And it has slipped and slipped. And this is the power of dissident media. And I know I'm going to sound like I'm attributing a lot to this, but it's just true. Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and releasing Twitter from captivity is another one of the reasons why the Ukraine issue has moved in public opinion. As more and more people were able to learn, see the outright lying, see the, well, maybe there's bad guys on both sides in the Ukraine-Russia, even though they, call, they called us a Putin puppet relentlessly. Jack Posobiec deserves a lot of credit on this well. He did a great job. And it never bothered me. I was like, I, I, don't, I barely even know anyone that's Russian. I've never been to Russia. I've never met with a Russian person. You can call me Putin puppet all you want. It did not phase me. And it's the same thing. Oh, my goodness. They call you an anti-maxer or a masker, an anti-vaxxer. They call you a racist. They call you a Putin puppet. It is weaponized name-calling to shut you up. They weaponize a certain term that's supposed to mean something, and you're supposed to grovel into submission into the corner. So when they call me a Putin puppet, I think it's hilarious. I'm an American who loves the Constitution and the Declaration. Putin does not. Now, is Putin the worst person ever to live? No. 
He's not. I'm sorry. There are much more evil government leaders than Vladimir Putin on the planet right now. Xi Jinping being one of them. Is Russia the greatest threat to America? No. So you can have both of those simultaneously simultaneously true. So I want to play a piece of tape here. And it is David Ignatius in the Washington Post saying it's shocking to even think what would happen if we give up on Ukraine. So David Ignatius, he is now moralizing. But I would love to ask David Ignatius, why do you think the American people no longer support sending money to Ukraine? Why don't you make better arguments instead of shaming us, instead of lying and suppressing? Let's play cut 180, please. If this uh, effort to provide continuing U.S. aid to Ukraine fails, Joe, I think of the people who fought to build up American credibility in the world. I, I think of my dad's generation that fought in World War II, the sacrifices they made. I think of the decades of struggle in the Cold War to, to build the reliability of America's name and commitment to its allies. That was hard work year by year. And I, when you think of all that would be lost in terms of America's reputation, uh, if we don't stand by this ally, uh, it's it's just it's it's shocking. It's something that will will, will last in terms of of our, our national reputation for much longer than people think. Our national reputation for much longer than people think. He knows that we're losing on this topic and this issue. And by the way, this has been something that Rand Paul has been talking about. We fund both sides of every conflict. At almost every conflict in the country, we see funding on both sides. We're going to talk about that after the break. But I just want to compliment you, the audience. And I want to thank you, the audience. Because we made some really bold arguments, episodes, interviews on the Ukraine issue. And you guys stood by us. There were a couple nasty ones that said we're never going to listen again and we're never going to support you again. But you guys were wonderful to us. You kept an open mind. You deserve a lot of credit. And I thank you for that. Because the arguments we were making were right. Okay, Kirk fans, I need you to stop and pay attention to this. If you deal with exhaustion, brain fog, mood swings, or food cravings, if you're constantly getting sick or simply lack the zeal you used to have in life, then I have some news for you. A while back, I found a liquid supplement called Strong Cell, and it changed my health in a very profound way. I take it every single day. Look, I knew I had to partner with them. I did the research. Google and look up online what happens when you mix NADH with CoQ10 and marine collagen. It's simple. Every area of your body has cells. So if your cells are healthier, then you will also be healthier. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to one of these testimonials. After taking strong cell for six weeks, I found improvement in many areas, less shoulder pain, improved mental clarity, increased natural energy, and so much more. I'm thankful that Charlie Kirk recommended this to his listeners. Rebecca says, I absolutely love strong cell. At first, I didn't think it would make much of a difference for my chronic fatigue, depression, and anxiety but I thought I'd give it a chance. I've tried to find depression meds for 10 years, and since you strong sell, I'm feeling better than I ever have on depression medication. Customer for life, thank you, Charlie Kirk, for recommending this product. So there it is. You've heard from me directly and some of the users who have seen their lives changed by strong sell. I personally recommend taking it every day for at least 30 days. I take it every day before I go on the air, and it's helped me in more ways than I can even name. Each of our bodies is very different. So I would recommend you give the supplement at least two to three months to see the changes in your body. Go to strongcell.com and learn more for yourself. That's strongcell.com forward slash Charlie. And don't forget to use discount code Charlie at checkout to get your special 20% discount for Kirk listeners. Or you can call 888-596-0155 to order over the phone. That is 888-596-0155 
or visit strongsale.com forward slash Charlie. One of our questions here, Brett from Colorado. Charlie, I heard you mention in one of your podcast episodes that you had a conversation with Speaker Johnson. Can you tell us more about that? Thanks. Look, I don't want to talk about any of the private stuff we had, but I'll tell you the essence, and I'm sure he'd be he'd be fine with it. Look, this. <laughs> if you go back a week ago, I, I didn't do this for this reason, but I certainly got his attention. I mean, we we I, I was upset, and I'm still upset. That hasn't changed. And to his credit, he handled it really like a man. He reached out to me and said, "Let's talk." I said, "Okay, that's different than most politicians. Most politicians will." try to attack me and leak negative stories and try to take you out. That's how McConnell would do it. You think McConnell would say, hey, let's talk? And so he bluntly said, call me on a Sunday. I said, okay. And, uh, you know, again, some of the articles, you know, I, I said, quote, I know a fraud when I see one. Charlie Kirk absolutely blasts Speaker Johnson over spending deal. And by the way, that's, that sentiment I 100% hold. But I will say he goes up in my standing and my stock because he calls me. And I, I'm not used to I'm not used to it. It's kind of like surprised. Not and by the way, never once did he tell me to stop saying things or any of that. It was just a very it was a very direct conversation. And again, I've hit a lot of different people. Typically they react in one of two ways. They tell you to go to hell and then they deploy their little, you know, attack dogs on you. Or they'll do a surrogate, like they'll have uh Eric Erickson, whatever that loser's name is that no one listens to, attack you on social media. Or they'll just completely ignore you and blacklist you and eventually you know, try to have some sort of person try to take you out. It was very businesslike, and I challenged him. And look, I'll say this. I don't want to get into that, some of the details, but he didn't have to make that call. It was 30 minutes. He knew that he was calling someone that was really fired up and really heated. And I told him very directly and bluntly. I said, listen, you have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to show that you're a different type of Republican. The border is everything. He agreed on the, bo- the significance of the border. He totally did. And I don't want to get into some of the private stuff here, but I challenged him directly to be the Christian leader that we desperately need and that he says that he is. I said the the people of America right now and the base will rally behind anybody, anybody that will raise the flag to fight on the border. Anybody. And so we'll see. I, I People ask me otherwise. I said, you know, what are your expectations and all this? And my expectation is to be disappointed. That's how I that's how I operate. I, I'm just used to D.C. politicians saying one thing or do another. But he didn't have to spend 30 minutes. Not once did he ask me to stop tweeting or ask me to stop hitting him. Instead, he tried to win me over. Whether or not that worked is a separate issue. But I said, listen, Speaker Johnson, what's done is done. I said, if you do not, if you screw up this thing coming into March with the CR, I think you know what's going to happen. You're not going to speak, be Speaker any longer. So I frame it as this. You have an opportunity. You have a great opportunity. The problem is that becoming speaker tends up to being all backroom D.C. politics. We've had decades of deflective, disassembling nonsense and B.S. A speaker who even looks like or seems like he cares about the public would be amazing. And what's great is you guys watching this program, you guys, I really, there's nothing like secret I'm saying on these phone calls because everything I say on the show, I say on the phone call. So I said, why didn't you go to Eagle Pass and shut down the government and set up a bunch of tents and do a press conference? Again, that's not, it's not like a new uh a new thing. But look, he gets a thumbs up on one thing. He had the gusto, the stones, and the spine to reach out to someone who was awfully critical of him. And you go up in my book on that. You go up in my book. That means that you're willing to look right into the fire. You don't run away. You don't do the typical DC thing. We're like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. And then you whisper to your little lobbyist to go launch a Tomahawk missile. We've been through that many times. And he's always welcome on the show. 
I don't know if that's actually the best idea for him right now. I'd like to actually see him succeed to this stuff because it would be a 10 out of 10 fastball interview. But look, here's some good things. Speaker Johnson has just confirmed the U.S.-Ukraine aid being negotiated in the Senate will not pass the House. Speaker Johnson just said Ukraine's dead on arrival in the House. He said that the border deal is dead on arrival. And he did fill me into one element that I think is really important, one element, that Chuck Schumer learned from the Trump shutdown that if this, and I, I still think this is not an excuse not to shut it down. We should have shut it down 100%. But Chuck Schumer learned from the Trump shutdown that military pay and Border Patrol pay would have also been shut, quote unquote, shut down because Schumer put all those together on the same timing date to try to force the hand to not have the government shut down. And the thing that I disagreed with the most with the speaker, to be perfectly honest, he said, I think Biden would relish and enjoy a shutdown. I said, I don't know if that's true. I, we had, a, we had a, a disagreement on that. So I appreciate the call. I say this non-sarcastically. I'm praying for him because, boy, do we need it. We need a strong, conservative Christian leader right now. And he has an opportunity. All this nonsense and failures of leadership and the stuff, the way he's disappointed me and us, forget it. Let's move forward. Let's focus on the opportunity ahead of us. And it's all about the border. So we shall see. Are you ready to lose weight but not sure where to start? I understand. I was right where you are two years ago. Let me tell you why I chose the PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition Program. First, Dr. Ashley Lucas has her PhD in chronic disease and sports nutrition. Her program is based on years of research and is science-based. Second, the PhD program starts nutrition. There is so much more. They know that 90% of permanent change comes from the mind, and they work on eliminating the reason you gain this weight in the first place. There's no shortcuts, pills, or injections, just solid science-based nutrition and behavior change. And finally, a probably most importantly, I lost 30 pounds. Look, they're amazing. If you want to lose weight, you got to go to myphdweightloss.com. I was just texting with Dr. Ashley Lucas today. If you're ready to lose weight for the last time, call 864-644-1900. Go online at myphdweightloss.com. Do what I did and what hundreds of my listeners have done and call today, 864-644-1900. I recommend their program. Dr. Ashley Lucas has her PhD in chronic disease and sports nutrition. Her program is based on years of research and is science-based. Second, the PhD program starts with nutrition, but it's so much more. Go to myphdweightloss.com, myphdweightloss.com. Call 864-644-1900. I lost over 30 pounds. Dr. Ashley Lucas, great American. Check it out, myphdweightloss.com. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. We are taking your questions here. Okay, I want to talk about uh, Greg Abbott because I think Greg Abbott is handling this really well. There's a series of clips here in his conversation with Tucker Carlson. Now, I need to preface this. If you are listening to this broadcast at a future date, some of this information might not be completely up to date. So everything we are saying, we're going to do our best to project this in the future. This is an unfolding uh, situation and a story that is happening in real time. So just please keep that in mind. Okay, Greg Abbott joined Tucker Carlson's program. Tucker, like me, has been very critical of Greg Abbott, and then Tucker will have him on the show. Greg Abbott has been so focused and determined because this is escalating into a standoff. This is escalating into a standoff, and I cannot say this explicitly enough. Everything must be done by the rule of law and must be done peaceful. They are the lawbreakers. They are the arsonists. They are the ones that are escalating this conflict. Let's play cut 191, please. If the administration declares that it plans to federalize the National Guard of the state of Texas, your National Guard, what will be your response? Well, first, I'll be shocked. That would be a boneheaded move on his part, a total disaster. 
but for one, as you might imagine, we are prepared uh, in the event that that unlikely event does occur to, to make sure that we will be able to continue exactly what we've been doing over the past month, and that is uh, building these barriers, uh, and whether it be the Constantino wire or other uh, anti-climb border barriers, whatever we've been building, the Biden administration uh, is now trying to attack us because of it. Uh, and we will continue to do exactly what we're doing to expand our denial of illegal entry into the state of Texas. So what Greg Abbott is saying is super smart here. He's saying, hey, Biden, if you escalate to. So just so everyone knows the president of the United States reserves the right to federalize the National Guard, to take away a governor's authority of the National Guard. This is done rarely. Typically, it's done in natural disasters or widespread riots or totally crazy stuff. And there's another law that we're going to talk about in just a second here, which I think is really important because they've been building up this word in the mainstream media narrative for a reason. And I've not heard a single person talk about it. And I think we should tweet about it to get ahead of it. I'll tell you about it in a second. But the situation in front of us in Texas is that you have the National Guard. The president can federalize the National Guard. But there's other agencies that the president of the United States cannot federalize. Texas Department of Safety, Texas Rangers that Greg Abbott has fully at his disposal as the governor of the state of Texas. Now, I want to play cut 192 here, but I guarantee you right now, and Abbott has thought this through, but make no mistake, everybody, I guarantee you right now there are conversations happening in the Department of Justice and in the White House Counsel's Office about Joe Biden signing the Insurrection Act. These people play for keeps. Now, what is the Insurrection Act? The Insurrection Act, the last time the Insurrection Act was signed, was by George Herbert Walker Bush to contain the Watts riots in Los Angeles. We wanted Trump to sign the Insurrection Act during Floyd Palooza, and he should have signed the Insurrection Act. But don't be shocked or surprised if all of a sudden some lunatic on MSNBC trial balloons. It's time to sign the Insurrection Act, Joe Biden. Do not be surprised, which would give the Attorney General of the United States RICO power, Merrick Garland, to go arrest Greg Abbott and the every single one of these red state governors and nullifying their electors potentially coming into November. But imagine the PR. This is why I love what Greg Abbott is doing, but we have to game this out. On the table for them is Insurrection Act. Every single move that Joe Biden has right now is him escalating to unforeseen territory. We are the keepers of the law. We are the adherents of the Constitution. We are the adherents of safety and normalcy. The conversation with Tucker Carlson and Greg Abbott continues. Please cut 192. With state employees, I assume, not with National Guard. But can you envision a scenario in which you would put armed state employees on the border instead of the National Guard of Texas? We we do have other armed state employees uh, on the border as we speak right this minute. And uh, that's the Texas Department of Public Safety, as well as other law enforcement officers, as well as National Guard from other states. And you can be assured there will be more National Guard from other states and more law enforcement officers within the state of Texas and other states. And, Tucker, I just signed a law, a new law in the state of Texas that will go into effect on March the 5th that authorizes any law enforcement officer in the state of Texas to be able to arrest anybody coming across the border illegally. Abbott is talking like a determined guy. He is talking like someone that is seeing a crisis and an invasion. It's a completely different tone that we've seen out of Abbott recently. Let's play cut 193, please. Uh, Of the couple of dozen Republican-led states who've pledged support for you, um, how many do you think would send National Guard to Texas? I'll be shocked and disappointed if 
almost all of them do not send. There, there have been about 10 so far that have sent National Guard or uh, other law enforcement. They now are joined together with us. And this is a fight for the future of America, and they all know it. And so I believe that they will all be in on this effort. Now, for some people, they don't have the stomach for this. I've been getting messages even from some Republicans saying, I'm getting really nervous of this. Get over that. Long past the time of being nervous. First of all, one of the benefits we have here is Abbott is a very calculated political operator. He has the moral high ground. He has the constitutional high ground. And the White House, they're not really sure what to deal with. Right now, they are wargaming this. He has the White House on defense. We win when we're on offense. This is the Trump playbook. Greg Abbott has played offense here. So right now, you've got to imagine Merrick Garland and Ron Klain and the manager of the border, Kamala Harris. Isn't she in charge of the border, Kamala Harris? Isn't she the CEO of the border? What a mockery to the republic to have Kamala Harris be the chairwoman of the border or whatever crazy thing. She never visits. I bet they're wargaming this because this is becoming a problem. And they have the lunatics like Robert Francis O'Rourke and Joaquin Castro, but you will know it when you see it. But right now, they might be using chat GPT or artificial intelligence. They are getting ready to figure out what they put into the input for Operation Mockingbird. And do not be surprised that in the next day or two, we start seeing secessionist, nullification. We see that from Joy Reid. But what's fascinating to me is... We have this massive looming crisis, and the New York Times is largely ignoring it. They talk about the border deal. Why do you think the mainstream media is not emphasizing this as much? Because Abbott is handling this in a calm, cool, and collected way. He's being very reasonable. Joe Biden looks like the unreasonable person here. Let me prove it to you. I'm here at CNN.com. Not a mention of Abbott or the escalation. I, I go to every one of these websites... It's undercovered, and that's really strange, isn't it? You'd think that the media would jump and pounce on an opportunity to continue to call us insurrectionists and secessionists and nullification. And by the way, they might turn on that switch at any time. They might turn on the media at any time. But every single action in front of Joe Biden is escalation. And Joe Biden very well might choose ignoring the border. He very well might choose Forget it, not worth the risk. In an election year, is the optics that Joe Biden wants to go cut the razor wire? We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. So Joe Biden is probably calling Abbott and he's saying, hey, pal, you have till midnight to back off. And Greg Abbott should say, but what are you going to do, man? You're going to arrest the sitting governor? And amazingly, amazingly, shockingly, I fully acknowledge this. Back in the beginning of the week, I said, Greg Abbott doesn't have what it takes. I mean, he's he is flirting with the line to taunt Merrick Garland to send an indictment against him. And I'm not exaggerating. And God bless him for flirting with that line, because it is long overdue that we have some courage. Now, the 25 states outside of this moron, Phil Scott from Vermont, who didn't send in any national, he's the only Republican, I think, uh, not to send it in. We have 25 governors. We need this last Republican governor for a majority of the states. That's a great talking point. And the phone number, by the way, is 802-828-3333. Please be polite. Call this governor, the governor of Vermont, because that would then give us 26 states. That would make the majority of the states have sent National Guard states. I think it's very important to be able to say that. And the brilliance of Greg Abbott calling in this support 
is that Joe Biden sees that this is this is bigger than Texas. The connective tissue of this issue is 25, 26 states. That's a big deal. And winning the narrative on something we've never been to. And, you know, I, I will respond to one of these emails here. Paul from Hawaii says, Charlie, I'm with you and with Abbott, but this whole thing makes me a little nervous. The fact you're nervous means we're finally getting somewhere. It means we're finally drifting out into the waters of high stakes, uncharted territory. It means we're finally sticking out our necks for the republic. So being nervous is totally okay. Being anxious is okay. What's not okay is staying in your place of comfort while we get invaded by the third world and fentanyl and drugs and sex slaves are coming into America and we sit idly by and just wait for it to be solved. The easy way out is to say, well, the open border is hurting Joe Biden. We might as well do nothing. And by the way, that's what Gavin Newsom is accusing us of. And it's BS. We love the country more than we care about the next election. This issue needs to be solved now. It needs to be solved immediately. Hey, everybody. Exciting news. Very, very important. Uh, we are saving babies with preborn. You've heard me talk about this all throughout the year, and time is running out on this great dollar-for-dollar dollar match. I have donated money here, and you should too. Through December 31st, you can save twice as many babies by providing ultrasounds. But this match goes away soon, so don't put it off another minute. You've heard about and thought about and talked about it and maybe even prayed about it, but right now is the time to do something about it. If you're wondering about your end-of-year giving and want every dollar to get the most results, this is a great chance to maximize your gift for life. And for a one-time $15,000 gift, you'll provide not just one ultrasound machine, but two, saving thousands of babies for years to come. $280 save 10 babies. $28 a month saves a baby a month for less than a dollar a day. And right now, any gift saves twice as many babies with preborn. Uh, call 833-850-2229 or click on the preborn banner at charliekirk.com. That's the preborn banner at charliekirk.com. $280 saves 10 babies. $280 saves a baby a month for less than a dollar a day. Charliekirk.com preborn banner. Okay, I do want to play uh, a piece of tape here. So one of the clips that we had on Thought Crime, which I encourage you guys to all listen to, we post it every Saturday. Uh, Blake, Andrew, uh, Tyler, Jack Posobiec, all of us are on. Uh, is there was this discussion, and I was cut off in the clip, but again, I stand by everything I said, but everyone missed what I was actually saying, which is the essence of what I was saying is that DEI creates bad people. And more importantly, DEI damages healthy thinking and poisons our thinking process. It makes you look at the world differently than you otherwise would. So for example... I said this, that because of DEI and the massive hiring push and what we know about affirmative action, and affirmative action means that you lower the standards, you lower the standards to try to meet your goal. What this does is it arouses unhealthy suspicions in our fellow citizens. Now, that was actually even in the tape, and people did not acknowledge it. In fact, the low IQ chattering class, and some on the right said, Charlie's a racist and Charlie's a racist and Charlie's a racist. Even though in the clip I say, this is not who I am. It's not even what I believe. What I'm getting at, though, is when you are reminded on a daily basis that United Airlines or the FAA are prioritizing skin color over excellence, they're prioritizing diversity over merit, you then say, and by the way, what, what is incredible is that people are, they don't even look at the actual cl- clip. I said, I'm sorry, if I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. I never said inherently that he isn't qualified. I said, I hope he's qualified. 
Of course, people of any background or color can become qualified. Are quali- of course, that's not the point. No one listened to what I said. Instead, they wanted me to bend the knee to the idol of anti-racism. We refused to do that. And let me be very clear. I said this in the clip. I never had the suspicion before. DEI is poisoning thinking. It's poisoning who we are. It makes us a nastier version of ourselves. So here I am being vulnerable and transparent with the audience. Play cut 81. And that's why I think this United story and the DEI story hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. And I feel better now. No, I mean, like, you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, well, that's the you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have. You no, wouldn't have done that not, before. That's not an immediate. No, you wouldn't that's have done not that before. Who I am? That's no. not what I believe. It is the reality the left has but created. I, I, I'm not who I am. Not what I believe. But the world loses its mind because you say the thing that obviously is presented in front of you. I don't like thinking that way. It makes me feel dirty. But that's what DEI does: is it makes you view the world through a hyper racialized lens it makes you view the world in an in a perpetually suspicious way and the point i was going to make that i'll make now is dei just makes a worse life it makes us think things that we otherwise never would have thought thanks so much for listening everybody email us as always freedom at charliekirk.com thanks so much for listening and god bless For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.